Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 132 of Slamfire Radio for the week of November 20th. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew McClatchy. I'm the other host, Trevor Furlot. And I'm the other, other host? The other, other. Yeah, other, other. That's how that is. Yep. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, cool. Um, Trevor. Yes. What did you do with guns this week? Uh, with guns, nothing. I uh, all right. Shot that. Shh, shot, shh, shot that. Shh. I shot that target bow. I was telling you about last week. I wasn't paying attention. Saturday. <laughs> oh, that. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, so the show was on Thursday. I shot the bow on Saturday, and that's it. I didn't. Uh, I haven't done anything. Nothing. Well, I suppose I. I technically sold a gun tonight, and possibly wait, wait, wait. Buying. Sold. Yeah. You don't sell guns. Uh, I know, but uh, somebody sent me a Facebook message. Sean, listener Sean, the guy blew up his M&P. Right. And he sent, he sent me it's a It's because Facebook. he's a lefty, right? Apparently, he's not a dirty lefty. Oh. Uh, well, dirty well, lefty implies that there's such thing as a clean lefty, but that's not yeah, possible. Well, whatever. Yeah, whatever. I, I guess there's an email regarding that later, isn't there? Perhaps. Yeah. He, right. uh, yeah, anyway, he sent me a Facebook message, and he's like, want to sell your STI? So I had toyed with the notion of selling it before because I've got a Tanfoglio coming. And then I was like, no, I can't do it. I'll keep it in case I don't like the Tanfoglio. But then he kind of offered me a way out. He said, if you get the Tanfoglio and you don't like it, you can buy this back for the same price that I, uh, you sold it to me for. So I was like, hmm. hmm. He's not a tire kicker either. He's like, he's like, he's ready to send much. you money. I'll give you this much and I'll pay you at uh, midnight or shortly thereafter. Like, yeah, oh. he, he's ready to go. Yeah, he's ready to roll. <laughs> so, yep. So I guess, uh, yeah. And then after I uh, I pay off a few things, Rick, <coughs> um, <laughs> I will uh, I actually curse Thomas. I was listening to um, New Shooter Canada today, uh-huh. and uh, he got talking about um, PPC, and I'm like, man, I had a PPC revolver once, and it was a sweet gun. I wonder if that guy still has that gun. And sure enough, he still has. I sold it to him. Or I traded it for a Glock, a brand new Glock, unfired in the box. I traded it with him. Oh, back in 2011, and he hasn't fired it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so um, he wants to sell it. Uh, he's willing to sell it back for a really, really good price. Um, so once I, uh, once I get a few things paid off, I'm going to pick that up again just for, just for fun. And are you going to start a PPC club at the Rescue uh, Gun Club? Stop. And it, it, Thomas was like, do you want me to come on your show and talk about PPC? And I actually sent him an audio recording laughing out loud. <laughs> like, yeah, right after we get George on to talk about cowboy action. Think not. Hey, cowboy action's kind of fun. At least you get, there's action in it. There's running around. PPC, you just stand there. Yeah, but truth is, I mean, I'm sure that we have some listeners who have shot PPC or maybe would like to shoot PPC. Let's face it. 
at the rate that I blow calf muscles and tennis elbows. You're going to be shooting PPC here soon. Exactly. And, and, and all joking aside, any shooting sport's a cool shooting sport. So we don't make fun of any of them except for Tapco stocked SKSs. Exactly. Uh, aside from that, you know, shoot whatever you like. And we, we really aren't making fun of PPC. I'm sure it's, 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 it's um, what's the word I'm looking for? Accurate. <laughs> it's, that's accurate. <laughs> so, uh, Trevor, just for our listeners who don't know what PPC is, like, what's the what's the thirty second pitch on it? What, what's it all about? It started off as a, I believe it stands for Police Practical Combat Shooting. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but uh, it started off um, for police officers to practice with their revolvers, and it very quickly turned into a bullseye competition from the holster there's a couple of different shooting positions but all of them are static and you can shoot as far out as 50 meters um, the revolvers they used evolved over time to look very much like the semi-automatics in ipsic evolved over time to look like open guns with compensators and red dots well these don't have compensators and they don't have red dots but they do have these really large adjustable sights that actually take up the entire top of the revolver they have under lugs that go under the barrel to add extra weight. And when it comes to power factor, the only rule is the bullet needs to penetrate the target. <laughs> it's a precision pistol competition. Ah, precision pistol competition. I formerly, police. formerly police pistol combat. Ah, okay. So combat and police must have sounded too aggressive. So. Yes, that's scary. We're going to have a, a, a gun-oriented sport, but let's not make it scary. We don't want to offend people. Well, yeah, what's it exactly. look like these days? Do, are, are there people like with uh, special vests on? Do they have like a patch over one eye with some ridiculous pistol that they hold in a position that a, a police officer would never hold? And you, you, assume, you assume you assume you assume we know anything about this sport? <laughs> no, it's um, stance-wise. You know, the upper body is freestyle, but um, I believe they shoot kneeling and uh, and prone. Kind of weird supine. Yeah, prone and around obstacles. So it, yeah, okay. it's it's supposed to be sort of like, you know, you're getting shot out by your squad car, and so you're just standing there returning fire. So it's not an action shooting sport, but it is a precision shooting sport. And I can see how in its early days it would have been very practical and very, very useful for police officers to learn how to shoot accurately, especially with revolvers because of the long double action trigger pulls. But, um, yeah, like Trevor said, it evolved. And, you know, much like Formula One and, uh, and or maybe more accurately stock car racing, it's no longer stock cars <laughs> racing. It's, uh, you know, it's evolved. It's become its, its own sport, its own animal. Um, so, yeah. Any, any other questions about PPC? Nope, that's it. Perfect. Let's move on then. Yeah. Trevor, did you do anything else? No, that's it. Adriel, you're up, man. Uh, okay, so I went to Wholesale Sports to uh, grab some primers. I uh, picked up 2,000 small pistol primers and a bunch of other random stuff. And uh, I had the guy at the gun counter in the back looking for some powder. And uh, the SKS has caught my eye. They've got some uh, super, what do they call them? Super quality, super select, something like that. Anyways, it, uh, suffice to say, post-war. Uh, the SKSs that were made during wartime were a little bit more rough, and uh, the machining Nobody isn't quite very good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I felt like saying all last week, Trevor. Button it. Some p- people do like SKSs. This is a gun. <laughs> You're boring us. <laughs> I'll mute you. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, so I, I, I asked to look at a couple. Um, they've had them uh, for a while at Wholesale Sports, so what's left over is the stuff that was 
handled a little bit more roughly. Um, but they had one in the back that just had one ding on the stock and otherwise was a really mint, unfired 1953 SKS for $199. And for you the can't American beat that. Oh, for the American listeners, they're probably screaming like buy it yeah. because they're like an SKS over there is 300 plus. Uh, Why is it US more for dollars. them? Uh, they're not importing from Russia. So oh. they, they don't have the supply that we do because gotcha. we're, we're still getting Russian. Like you want to talk uh, uh, price differences, our SKSs are way cheaper. Our SVTs, like you can get, you can still get SVTs here for around $300, whereas in the U.S. those are a, a $700 item. Wow. Um, so uh, so how hard is it to import an SVT into the U.S.? Maybe we should buy a bunch of them and start bringing them in. I don't know. I, Wait, I or, or is that called gun running? I can't remember. <laughs> Gun running, uh, importation business. What's the In, difference? International place? arms dealer. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit more classy. Anyways, I bought an SKS. This isn't my first one. I've I've had uh, I think I've had two before. Anyways, I've always bought them and then sold them at different times. The first one I bought and then I moved to China, so I sold it before I moved. Because there's all kinds of Chinese SKSs. Why would you have to have your own when you're in China? You can just <laughs> grab one off of any street corner, basically. Exactly. Uh, just just go to the factory and, and pick one out. Yeah. They just um, hand them out there. It's like currency almost. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, so I, I bought one of those. Uh, I went to the range, shot it. Um, and remembered uh, how terrible the sight radius is on them. Right. Um, the it's it's in front of the uh, the receiver to the end of the barrel kind of a thing. It's a really short sight radius. It's like it's like fourteen inches or something like if that isn't it. It's combat effective. Like if you wanted. Oh to, yeah, absolutely. Like just use it in combat, and you, your 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 max range is like two, maybe three hundred yards. Then sure, but. Um, for precision shooting, it was really frustrating because I took out uh, my M1 Grand, and uh, with that, I was you know it's it's got a really long sight radius. It's got that rear peep right near the rear of the receiver, and it's got the uh, the front at the at the front of the uh, near the muzzle. So it's got this huge sight radius, and with the M1 Grand, I was getting decent groups, two three inches kind of a thing. Yep. Uh, whereas with the SKS, I couldn't, and it's only because of those sights. Um, I know the the rifle itself is probably going to be doing what three four MOA kind of a thing. Probably, um, yeah. I could not get three or four MOA simply because of the sights. Yeah. Um, and then I also took out uh, my Savage 10TR. Uh, it's not. It doesn't look like a Savage 10TR anymore because I've got it in this uh, MDT HS3 chassis, and uh, just sighted in uh, some rounds that I hope to use for hunting. Um, I, I think I've explained this on the show before. I've got two two areas I hunt. One's long range, one's short. I'm going to use the Grand for short. I'm going to use the Savage 10TR for the long. So I just uh, did some last-minute uh, adjusting for the uh, load that I've got for hunting, uh, accuracy testing. It's looking good. So I'm going to be taking that out um, hunting. And then awesome. that'll be all next week. Cool. So, you, so next week's show, you'll have a, an awesome hunt story for us then. I might be. I might have an awesome hunt story. I might have a why haven't I seen any deer yet? Life sucks. Uh, right. I'm done with hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll it's see. funny how uh, how that goes depending on how successful you are out in the woods. Either hunting's awesome or this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, and I was um, I was digging around for uh, like this. Uh, this SKS came with like two clips. Uh, two clips. Shows. Yep. Oh, stripper clips. Okay. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Touche, sir. Touche. <laughs> Carry on. It came with two of them, and I was like, oh, I think I have a couple. Point of order. Uh, yeah, point yeah. Of order. 
They are yep. not stripper clips. What they are, are they? Clips. They're just They're straight clips. clips. They're straight clips. They they, they strip. They, yeah, you don't strip from the clip into the magazine. They're they're not stripper clips. You do strip from the clip into the magazine. Yes, yes, you do. The grand, Son of a gun. The grand no, the magazine stays in, in there. Box. You don't take them out of the clip. You take yes, you do. The clip stays the, inside the magazine. On the Garanda does. We're talking the SKS. Oh, I'll go back to what I was doing. Yeah, good call. <laughs> Brian good. already gave me so much trouble for that. Good call. Like, pay attention to your host. You, you, that's rude. Yes, it is. Sorry, Brian. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm not editing that out. Yeah, the grand, the grand <laughs> clip stays in. Actually, I, I did a quick video on my uh, grand uh, YouTube video. Someone was asking about um, about how the action works. So I did a real quick video just showing like how it retains the clips, how the how it works with ammo and that kind of thing. So if, if you want to know, you can check it out. Uh, on the SKS, though, you put the stripper clip in, you strip the rounds into the magazine, and then you take the clip through it. Anyways, um, the the rifle came with two of them. I thought I had some more. Uh, I went digging around, and I found I've got uh, 50 of them. So 50? <laughs> so you're not going to run out soon? I'm not going to run out. That's 100 out. reloads. Uh, they're, they're, are they 10-round yeah. clips, right? Yeah, they're 10-round yeah. clips. Because yeah, so we up here, so the Americans may be yelling at us for getting cheap SKSs, but at least the American SKSs aren't pinned to five. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and so here's they are they are limited to five, um, but if you are willing to take your $199 SKS and throw on another $200 part. Uh, you can get a magwell adapter for the AR mags, um, and then run an XCR pistol mag and get your 10 back. Right. That'll put you back to 10. Your stripper clips will load all 10 in there, and it's legal. So. Yep. Well, at least for now. Uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, that's um, what I did in guns. All right. Well, I d- I did uh, less than either of you two put together, except for freaking out over Beowulf mags for the last couple of days. Other than that, uh, not a whole lot. Uh, you and most of the country, and yeah. all potentially more or less for nothing. Yeah, probably for nothing. In fact, it probably yeah, probably for nothing. But uh, still, still doesn't look good. But we're going to get into that when we get to the news. Let's uh, move into upcoming events. Trevor, do you want to kick us off with uh, the first one here? Sure. The first annual Ronnie DeGroot Rock Out With Your Glock Out Steel Challenge. That's going to take place at the Rescuers Gun Club in memory of uh, one of our members who died tragically in a motorcycle accident back in June. It'll be a fundraiser. It's going to take place on the 4th of June, 2016. And uh, it'll be some fun steel courses along with the actual legitimate steel challenge courses like you see in the large u.s steel challenge championships very cool yeah that sounds like a lot of fun i've always enjoyed shooting steel challenge so i'm going to do my best to come up for that one Mm -hmm. um the next one is the sixth annual charity shoot in support of soldier on will take place june 25th in kingston ontario at the brockville district fish and game club so contact new shooter canada for more info there's also an event page on facebook so you can check that out for more info as well i hope to see all kinds of people out there um our charity shoots have always been a lot of fun, and the majority of them have been here in, in New Brunswick, in sort of the backwoods, back corner of New Brunswick, where nobody knows where it is or how to get there. So it's, I'm interested to see what the turnout's going to be kind of in uh, in Ontario, where there's a lot more people. So looking forward to that. Adriel, do you want to bring us this next one here? Yeah, the next one is Handgun Fundament- Fundamentals 1 in St. Paul, Alberta. That'll be August 6th, and it'll be uh, obviously next year. Uh, the cost is $200 per person. Right now, there are four spots available. We'll be covering, uh, and uh, when I say we, I say Matthew and Trevor, we'll be covering grips, stance, sight picture, trigger control, 
and uh, alien defense uh, using just a basic manual of arms. Alien, alien defense. That defense. is that is correct. Alien defense because of the UFO landing pad. Yeah. yeah. Well, so it, it if you're going to take for locals. Yeah. Yeah. Don't 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 arrive by UFO because I'm not going to distinguish or differentiate between your UFO and somebody else's well, UFO. Well, if you want to come in in your own UFO, you have to fly the Canadian flag. That's all we that's ask. That's the code. Yeah, that's the code. You fly the Canadian flag, you're cool. Of course, aliens listening, do not listen to that last bit. I'm lying. Because they listen to us, right? You guys do have your tinfoil hats on. Yeah? No. I don't, yes. We don't, we don't broadcast this on radio. <laughs> on oh, that, that's right. What am I saying? <laughs> okay. Uh, next one from Jason Philp. There's a uh, shotgun event, the Foreign Invasion 2016 in Coyote Springs, Tucson, Arizona. That's uh, January 28th and 30th. So that's coming right up here in, what, two months or so. Uh, lots of targets, 500 of them. So you can go to coyotespringsclays.com if you are close to Tucson as and uh, and you like shooting the, the scatter gun at the things in the air. So the skeets, I believe. Skeets, yeah. Skeets, yeah. So that's very cool. And it's called a shoddy. You got to shoot your shoddy at the skeets. Shoot the shoddy at the skeets. So, so scatter gun, that's the old tech or the old term? That's the douchebag term. That's <laughs> All the cool kids say shoddy. Gotcha. Or shot gat. Shot gat. I love it. I got I got yelled at on CGN once for calling it a shoddy. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Big time. Yep. That's why I just threw that out there. Yep, beauty. Like, I will never call it a shoddy trying to be serious again. No, you can't. You just can't do it. No. So, yeah, all kinds of fun uh, upcoming events going on, folks. So, uh, hopefully we can see you at some of these. Uh, I guess it's time we roll into the news, huh? We've got a bit of a bit of a lineup for news. Uh, topping the charts, uh, as as one would expect, would be the the terrorist attacks in Paris and also Beirut, that uh, a lot of people haven't heard about, but uh, very mm. similar style attacks happening in, or happened in Beirut. But uh, yeah, basically, yeah, I didn't uh, see a lot of Beirut flags as no. profile pictures on Facebook, so. Nobody's helping Beirut, I guess. I guess not. It's it's yeah. It's it's funny how where there has been war and Beirut is sort of war torn already. That whenever something tragic like this happens there, it's almost it's almost as if it's expected and nobody's really shocked at it. But when it happens in a first world country like France, um, you know, it's it's very shocking and very newsworthy. But uh, it, it's unfortunate that we have that sort of hypocrisy in the news. But it is what it is, I suppose. Um, but yeah, no, ISIS is, uh, you know, doing their best to disrupt our daily lives and, and, and terrorize us. And, um, the, the Paris attacks are a good example of that. Um, where do, where do we want to start on this, guys? Uh, I don't really have a lot to say about it other than, um, you know, gun-free zones create victims. This, uh, my opinion has been since this happened that there's no way this is going to happen at a Dallas Cowboys game. And it's not because, there's good security at a football game in Dallas. It's because the um, the possibility of the citizens returning fire is incredibly real. And so, you know, the um, the, the I don't want how do I want to phrase this? It's a deterrent. There's the big word that I was right. trying to use: deterrent. Knowing that the um, population is armed serves as a deterrent. The Japanese said during World War II. If we try to invade America, there'll be a rifle behind every blade of grass. Well, that was before citizens, you know, had the right to carry in the, in the context that they do today. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, when there's attacks on American soil, they're more of the 9-11 style 
or yeah. the Timothy McVeigh style. Yeah, uh, the the suicide bombers and the and the you know leaving bombs and IEDs and stuff around, right. as opposed to somebody going in and shooting the place up. Because well, they do, they, but when they do do that, they make sure that it is a gun free zone. Yes, and, and that's right. true. I mean, we do hear of of you know shoot 'em up style uh, attacks in the U.S., um, but you're right. It, it very very often happens in a gun free zone. Schools, malls. Happens, well, there was a case where it happened in a mall where yeah. a guy went in with an AR. His AR um, had a stoppage, and an armed citizen simply drew his firearm, pointed at the guy, and the first person he shot when he got the AR cleared was himself. Right. Yeah. The gig, the gig is up. He's suicidal. Yeah. He wants to take some people with him before he goes. Yeah. And he knows he's not going to get a chance to take as many with him as he thought, so he'll just go to the next stage of the plan, which is kill himself. That's right. A lot of these bombers kill themselves as well, but unfortunately, because it was essentially a slaughterhouse. I, I, yeah. I got my hands on that photo of the concert hall when the lights were on and all the dead people are lying on the floor in a pool of blood. And I posted it and I said, this is what a gun-free zone looks like. And I know, and I did it for shock value. That's fine. I did it to spread the propaganda for our side, but it's true. You're not going to get away with this kind of attack on U.S. soil where it's known that the people inside are going to carry. They're not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And even if they were to do it, like I think one of the, one of the counter arguments that I, that I've heard a couple of times here is people saying like, well, you know, put, put a person with a handgun against a person with an AK 47, the guy with the AK 47 is going to win. And that's, that's true. But um, like, like what Trevor mentioned there, the threat of deterrent is high and, it's it's not like it we're it's not like you're pitting one person with a handgun against one person with an AK-47. That person with the, with the AK in, in in these Paris attacks, their job their their mission is to kill as many people as possible. Their mission is not to find the people that have guns and take them out first. They don't know, so they could be uh, taken by surprise. They're looking at a hundred people, and right now, like w- what they did in Paris was they could just do crowd control and uh, and be very methodical about it. You can't do that when uh, there's the possibility that some of those people are armed and some of those people could take you out from a distance. Um, it's just, you know, even even though there being 100 people, someone with a with a, an AK-47 is going to be able to waste anyone who gets close to them um, and, and tries to take them on hand-to-hand, whereas that pistol is definitely going to put them within striking distance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sad, sad turn of events all the way around. Um, you know, and my stance on it is even if having a handgun isn't going to, you know, stop everybody from getting killed, it's going to stop the attack sooner, which is going to result in fewer deaths. Mm-hmm. So, and, yeah. and even just having the chance, right? Even just having the opportunity, the, the means to uh, uh, your disposal to at least attempt to save yourself. Even if you are ultimately unsuccessful, at least you tried, at least you had the means, at least the government hadn't neutered you. You know, mm-hmm. and, and taking away your your ability to just perform basic human necessity, which is self defense. I think that um, the possibility of this style of attack happening in Canada is very, very real. It's as uh, it, it can happen here just as easily as it happened in in Paris. There there are um, people among us in our larger cities that um, share the same beliefs as. The people who did these attacks in um, in Paris, and I'm not going to, you know, throw the term label and or Muslim and label everybody who does this as Muslim, 
extremists. Uh, yeah, regardless. I mean, extreme extremists come in all denominations. And uh, anyway, everyone, every every denomination and every race on the planet is walking around Toronto. So uh, if it's going to happen and it's going to, chances are that there are extremist groups existing in Toronto. The, the chances are a lot higher than they are of existing in Camelton. Let's certainly put it that way. There's no reason to come to Camelton. Yeah, well, that, 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 yeah, that's one thing that I'm very thankful for is where I live geographically. I'm, I'm very similar situation to Trevor. I don't have a large population base around here. Probably not something that I have to worry about, but yeah, it is still something that. that we all, as Canadians, should be vigilant about and concerned with. Well, and because of says, that... Uh, has put a threat on to uh, perform an attack at West Edmonton Mall, and that's like five minutes away from my house. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be a target, yeah. yeah. Um, so because the, the threat is real in Canada, I think we should um, find the appropriate professional to bring on to the show to talk about ways that we can um, survive an attack like this, even if we don't have a firearm with us, like, uh, you know, little strategies, tips and tricks about uh, your level of awareness and and, and having a – a fully charged cell phone and knowing where the exits are and, and, you know, avoiding certain situations. I think it's definitely uh, something that we need to touch upon here on the show. Yeah. We could probably look into that and see what we can come up with. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story here. Uh, the next one is the uh, Beowulf frenzy that sort of happened this, this week. A, hysteria. The hysteria. Hysteria. The, the yeah. panic. Uh, an RCMP letter was made public Um that was sent to an importer who was trying to import some Beowulf mags. And the the person who wrote the letter said that all Beowulf mags are, in fact, prohibited devices if they can hold more than five rounds of any type of ammunition. Well, he called it, or, or he, she, I, I'm not sure, the, the name wasn't, uh, wasn't listed in the email that I saw. Manager. They signed the it manager. Manager, right. So the and and that may have been edited too by the person who posted it. They may have posted it with uh, by taking uh, out that it's person's name. In my name. experience, that that's what they do. I right. mean, the CFO's office always signs their email. CFO's office. CFO's office, right? So it very well could have just been signed manager. Uh, but they they're claiming that the Beowulf mags and apparently just the Beowulf mags, no other mags that I've heard of have this distinction. But they're apparently dual purpose magazines. And uh, that being said, if they can hold any more than five rounds of any ammunition, they're in fact prohibited because they're dual purpose. Well, that makes forty caliber pistol mags dual purpose. That's right. That makes almost any mag dual purpose. I mean, it, it's kind of ridiculous. The, the law is very clear. The law is very clear, and it states that the the magazine is a prohibited device if it holds more than five rounds of the cartridge of the type that it was designed for. Mm-hmm. All the, you know, it doesn't even say. That if even if it was modified, that if if it was des- if if you take an existing mag and modify it, now it has been designed for something else, and now it should be legal. I you know that's not what. Um, oh, well, I'm sure it's no surprise to to the listeners that uh, Owen and myself own Pressjack Ventures, and we we manufacture and distribute and sell the uh, the PCV50. Well, when we designed the the PCV50 Beowulf mag, we didn't take an AR15 mag and redesign it to be a fifty. Uh, uh, a, a two two three magazine and redesign it to be a, a Beowulf mag. We started from the ground up and designed it to be a Beowulf mag. But that being said, yeah, unlike sorry, can I jump in? Unlike sure. some companies that take a twenty round AR fifteen mag, ground out the word five or the number five five six on the follower and stencil on the side the words compatible with. 
I mean, that's... But still, I mean, I see what they're doing. They're taking at the a, same... a 5.56 mag and converting it to Beowulf. They you are. You guys built a brand new product from the ground up. Yep. So that would that would add an extra layer of protection, I guess. But at the same time, I don't want to fault those guys who took a 5.56 mag and converted it. Because by modifying it, they have, in fact, redesigned it. And the law says designed. It doesn't say redesigned. It doesn't say you can't modify anything. It just says what it was designed for. If I take a, a car and it's designed to drive on the road, then I put a, make it, put a hull on it and a propeller and make it designed to drive in the river. Well, now it's a boat, you know. It has been redesigned, and that's what the law says. Regardless, we're getting off into uh, a side channel here, but um, yeah, I mean, it, what it comes down to is they're just—they're really reaching on this kind of stuff. There is like the the language that they're using in terms of dual use and this kind of thing. There's no such thing in the law books about this, and and no. unfortunately, um, like this isn't the first time that they made this news. Like we're all being real hysterical about this and and saying that this is new news. It's not new news. Um, back in June, uh, when some of the manufacturers or some of the uh, gun retailers around uh, Canada were importing some mags from uh, C Products Defense CPD, um, the RCMP said the same thing about many of those. They said, "Whoa, these are uh, uh, 50 Beowulf. These are uh, we consider all of them in Canada prohibited." But the, I think some of the some of the reason why they're reaching on this is that. They don't actually get to, to like classify magazines. Magazines are classified as prohibited or not prohibited. There's a law on it. You shouldn't need to get uh, an FRT number or anything like that to import these things. You should just be able, if they if they meet the letter letter of the law, they should be able to be imported. That's right. It's, if it's if it's a 50 Beowulf mag and it holds five rounds of 50 Beowulf, it's not prohibited. Period. Yeah, Full stop. Yeah. It doesn't matter what else it can do. It if it's a bit 50 and it holds that, it is. You know, it's. But I think I think what's happening, like you said, Adriel, um, they 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 can't flat out yeah. say these are prohibited because they don't ha- they don't have that power. And so instead, anytime somebody asks them, you, you'll notice there's no special bulletin on this. They haven't made any public uh, publication of of you know these are ba- these are banned um, because they can't. They, they they don't have that leg to stand on. The law is on the side of the Fifty Beowulf magazine because and- it's. And what, what happened with, uh, this was Aztec, this happened with, what happened with yep. Aztec Armory is that when they tried importing these, these are just Alexander Arms. These aren't, like, these are the original manufacturer for these things. They, they got, uh, denied the ability to import them completely. And they, uh, uh, Foreign Affairs Canada said, well, you got to talk to the RCMP about this. And then when they did, they said, our opinion is that they're prohibited devices. So even though they're not releasing a bulletin or doing anything, they're still doing something. They're still like basically taking this shot across the bow where they're, um, prohibiting them, but not prohibiting them. I don't know. Like sending an, sending a letter to one person that one, one company that's importing them. It should not be the way that this is done. Either they should be it, it trying needs, to make a yeah. determination and getting sued on it and losing uh, or not. Not That's this right. middle ground that they're taking right Well, it's, now. it's almost as if they're trying to bully us into stopping. It's like, we can't really stop you, but we're going to throw the word around prohibited. We're, and we're going we're gonna to kind of scare everybody and, and, and just get you guys to stop selling them just by threatening you, sort of. But mm-hmm. without any, without actually being able to threaten you, we'll just... We'll just, you know, toss prohibited device out there and see what you do. Now, I, I had seen, uh, and this is secondhand, so treat this just as rumor and hearsay, but I had seen that someone had uh, 
been out with a Tavor and 50 Beowulf mags and gotten arrested. So I, I believe he's taking that cl- that case to court. I haven't heard That's, of any um, others. Adriel, that, that is, he wasn't arrested, but he had his um, mags taken away and, and okay. charged with being in possession of prohibited devices. And it's my understanding that the Canadian Coalition of Firearms Rights is trying to track him down to find out what's going on and perhaps offer him some legal advice. So there was somebody in Alberta who was charged for being in possession of Beowulf mags. That, that's a fact. Okay. Well, that's, uh, you know, it, like sucks, sucks for him, but that's good because the only way we get this uh, turned over and, and kind of whip these guys into shape and get them back where they need to be is to take it to court and show, say, like, okay, show us. Why don't you show us in the, the Firearms Act and the Criminal Code where this dual-use stuff is that you're making up. Oh, it's not in there. Oh, I guess you're overreaching your bounds, and, and they, they, in fact, are not prohibited. The yeah. trouble with that is, and, and I, see, I like what you're saying, and I, and I hope that is, in fact, the way it happens, but the trouble is we used to have a majority conservative government on our side to help out with endeavors like this. And now we don't. So yeah, it, it's going to be very easy for a liberal judge to just simply take the word of an RCMP technician and say, oh, you think it's prohibited? Well, then I guess it is. And then make a ruling. And then knowing that there's nothing that can be done because the conservatives are no longer in power and able to kind of curb this sort of behavior. Yeah. Well, it definitely takes away the possibility of um, uh, of just getting it uh up to the safety minister and mm-hmm. uh, and going from there because we no longer have a conservative safety minister. Right? No, it's it's not going to. Yeah, if it were if it was up to the conser- the the current safety minister, I'm pretty sure we would not have a favorable outcome. Yeah, yeah. So, anyhow, as it stands right now, um, you know, as far as I can tell, there's been no change. This is just a bunch of hoopla. Um, Pressjack Ventures is going to be selling them again shortly, I think. I need to confer with Owen, of course, but I'm pretty sure that this was just sort of panic and uh, hysteria, and I think that uh, un- until until the RCMP come out publicly and, and make some sort of bulletin or special announcement stating that these are prohibited and, and, and banned, then as far as I can tell, the Firearms Act is still legal, <laughs> it's still law, and uh, it still says that uh, 50 Beowulf mags are completely legal. Well, this is it. And um, there, I know of at least one major Canadian dealer who has taken the opinion that uh, until something official, a bulletin, I mean, special bulletin number 72 is for businesses. It's to clarify for businesses. We all use it, but it was written for businesses explaining magazine capacities, right? And not everybody got the memo. I was in a dealer, uh, a gun store, on the Quebec side a couple of months back and they had a, um, a Beretta 92 there and it was listed as having a 15 shot clip, you know? So somebody's not reading the RCMP Oops. memos. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, long story short, uh, the opinion of this business was that until uh, something official is given to us by the RCMP, then it's business as usual because an email from a tech at a lab to an individual is not a change in the law. No, it certainly isn't. All right. Well, let's uh, let's cover this last news story here, which is that the RCMP have laid charges against two New Brunswick police officers in the shooting death of a 51-year-old man, Michael Vieno of Tracadie Sheila, Tracadie Shila, uh, 
Shyla. Shyla was fired on in his vehicle near the Bathurst train station uh, back in January of this year. A news release from Nova Scotia RCMP says that Constables Patrick Bulger and Matthew Boudreaux of the Bathurst City Police Force are each facing three charges of manslaughter with a weapon, assault with a weapon, and unlawful pointing of a firearm. So, uh, the, the, the backstory on this, Trevor, are you familiar with it? Yes, I am. Um, this couple were coming home from Montreal on the train, and the uh, Bathurst Police Department contend that he was part of an investigation into uh, selling drugs. He's a business owner from Trackety. Their story was that he was a drug dealer. And so they were there to meet him, perhaps as part of their investigation. And he got into his car with his girlfriend. As they were leaving the parking lot of the train station, the police members, plain clothes police members from the Bathurst City Police Department, um, got a, stood in front of the car and drew their guns. So the driver of the car sees uh, plain closed individuals pointing handguns at him and he steps on it to get out of there because he believes he's in fear of his, for his life and bumped, struck, whatever, one of the uh, officers with the car while trying to flee the scene. And so they open fire on him as opposed to just letting him go and going to his house later with a warrant. They lit him up, uh, even though the police officer wasn't who got quote unquote air quotes here hit with the car was not injured, um, yeah, that they can, they contain, their story is that he, it was part of a, uh, an ongoing investigation uh, surrounding drug activity. And the, uh, the witness, the, the, the gentleman's girlfriend in the car, that's been her testimony, right? We get in the car, we're leaving, all of a sudden these plainclothes police officers stand in front of the car and point guns at us. Yeah, I mean, any any reasonable person, uh, if if you see somebody who's not in uniform pointing a gun at you, you're going to be scared. I would be. Absol- absolutely. So, I mean, um, this yeah, is how police officers get shot, no-knock warrants. That's right. Yeah, so why why could they not have just sent uniformed officers? Or why could they not have not drawn their guns? Why couldn't they have stopped him before they got to the car? Like you said, why couldn't they just follow him home? Yeah, why? he was Sounds leaving. Like he wasn't sting. trying. Yeah, he was leaving. He wasn't trying to actively run them over. So um, I'm pretty surprised that they were charged. But, I mean, given the circumstances, it certainly sounds like the RCMP out of Nova Scotia found enough evidence to find them at fault and, and lay criminal charges. Right. So yeah, but, be, we'll, we'll watch this and see how it develops. Mm-hmm. I've been watching it for a while. I've got a, uh, a Google alert on my phone. So every time the words shooting and New Brunswick happen, I get an email linking me to the story. Right. And... Uh, I was surprised by today's announcement. Yep. All there right. was just so many other ways, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to kind of wait and see how the court case goes against them now. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move into our main topic then. And coming on next uh, is Martin from MDT. Martin, welcome. Thank you. Um, so just to, just to kind of give our listeners uh, a little bit of background information, um, how did MDT start and what does it stand for? Sure. Uh, MDT starts for Modular Driven Technologies. Uh, it was started in 2009 by Laszlo Clementis, who's my business partner. Um, he actually, at the time, was looking to purchase a, a chassis system and started looking for different options. And he's a machinist by trade. Um, when he didn't find something that he liked or wanted, or when he saw the prices that was out there, 
he said, well, I can make something for, I can, I can make something better at a lower cost than what I can get that. So he started working on our TAC 21 chassis, uh, which is the first chassis that we released and, um, and also still a, a very popular chassis. So he started making or started with the designing and had some help from, from some uh, designers on how to make it. And, uh, it actually there was 21 versions that, um, um, he tried out just in, in SolidWorks actually, uh, until, uh, he came up with a version that was going to be decent enough to start manufacturing. And that's actually what the 21 and TAC 21 stands for. It took 21 versions or 20, 10, uh, 21 virtual tests to get to that point. Um, so, you know, many of the versions before that, I mean, you came up with some really awesome stuff, but the cost to manufacture would have been astronomical. Um, so it, it's a combination of being able to manufacture it at a, at a decent cost um, and having a, a, a really good product that comes out of it. Uh, so that's how we, uh, that, that was the first uh, product we had. Um, I came aboard when not long after that and um, we started selling the, the, the chassis to uh, Remington Arms, but many, many people uh, worldwide are using this. We sell quite a bit to Australia. That's where the TAC-21, sorry, TAC-21 is very popular in Australia. Uh, probably mainly because it's very difficult for them to have ARs, uh, and this kind of gives them the look of an AR in a bolt-action rifle. And uh, we sell uh, quite a few throughout Europe, and, and of course a lot in the United States and, and some in Canada as well. Canada is not a huge market for us, also of course because of the population, and the U.S. is, is pretty huge for us. Um, but um, that's that, that's the start of MDT. Yeah, well, uh, you guys must be loving the exchange rate right now too, right? Just selling selling to the U.S. and uh, and paying Canadian dollars for for your materials and uh, and salaries and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, the 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 exchange rate is good for us. Of course, our material costs, even though we buy our raw materials in Canada, uh, a lot of that uh, does originate. Uh, you know, even just raw aluminum, a lot of it originates either in the U.S. or is affected by the U.S. dollar. So we do have material prices that go up as well, and other components that we use. Our labor costs, of course, stay uh, stay uh, stable uh, with that U.S. dollar, so we do see a benefit from it. Um, but uh, you know, we do see cost prices going up as well. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a really cool story around the TAC 21. I thought it was just a, a number that that was added on to make it sound cool. But yeah, 21 versions, kind of like a, kind of like WD 40. Kind of like. Sorry, it's also also kind of reminds me of also kind of reminds me of Glock 17, his 17th patent. Right, I guess numbers aren't really. Pulled out of the air, they they uh, they're chosen for a reason when it comes to manufacturing products. Yeah, that's correct. It's the same thing with our HS3 chassis. It's it's, it's our third chassis. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, um, you you'd mentioned uh, TAC21 and HS3. What are what are some of the other uh, chassis and, and other products you guys offer? Yeah, so we have four different chassis product lines, and and then a number of accessories. So the TAC21 being the first chassis we had, the LSS came next, and we came up with that um, basically just some brainstorming where we were looking to uh, build something that was a lower cost chassis, that was lightweight, and that was easy to to install, easy to use, and that, that crossed over a bit into uh, different markets as well, because the Tacton is very tactical, target shooters focused. Um, so we uh, designed the LSS chassis, and the popularity of that just exploded right from the beginning. 
Um, you know, it's, it has a, it was designed for a short-barreled rifle. Uh, the rifle that we started out with was a, was a, a Remington 700 with a 16.5-inch barrel. And with that, it's a very nice, compact setup. Um, there is people that that wanted a longer forend and wanted something that was for had a fixed buttstock instead of a collapsible, uh, which is what the LSS is designed for. Um, so we did come out with some uh, with an LSS XL later, which is another product line, but that's basically a chassis based on the LSS. It has a longer forend and was made for fixed stocks, but the LSS itself is still today our most popular chassis. Um, it is um, it's used by a lot of law enforcement actually. Uh, we have uh, shipped a number even to uh, the FBI, uh, and uh, you know many, you know many even hunters are using it, which was kind of took us by surprise at the beginning because we were still very tactical focused, and then we started getting more and more calls from hunters that wanted to use the LSS, uh, you know, tactical hunting or or whatever they call it. Um, and uh, but it's good for them because they, uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a compact uh, rifle they can use in the woods. With a collapsible buttstock, they can, you know, if they have thicker clothing on the winter, <clears throat> they can uh, modify that or just, you know, move it in or out. Uh, and then the uh, the HS3 was a chassis that we wanted something a little bit different that was a little bit more even for hunting. We kind of had hunters in mind with that one. And at the same time, target shooters, we added the polymer panel on the side so that you don't have, uh, you know, the cold aluminum on your hands if you're not wearing gloves. Uh, but the HS3 and the LSS XL are actually very close functionally and ergonomically, uh, and the only difference really is is the polymer side panels. So those are our four uh, chassis systems. And then aside from the chassis systems, there's a variety of different rails that we make: bases, scope bases, rails, night vision rails, and hoods for the front of the chassis. Uh, we do make uh, a number of magazines ourselves as well. Now we make a polymer magazine for 223 and 308. And recently also started adding the long calibers, uh, 300 Win Mag, 338 Lapua. Uh, we're working right now on a 308 metal magazine as well. Um, and then aside from that, uh, just a whole series of small products, uh, folding adapters, uh, fixed adapters, uh, um, some uh, butt pads for for uh, butt stocks. Uh, we make our own butt stock. It's called the skeleton rifle stock. Uh, but then we also make some uh, replacement pads that you can use on Magpul, PRS, and other Magpul butt stocks to to uh, reduce the felt recoil. And also uh, we make an adapter for the Magpul PRS to add adjustability. And uh, we have uh, currently have uh, two full time designers on staff that. Are working on uh, on releasing new products on a regular basis. So, um, 2016, we should continue to see a number of uh, quite a few new products released. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, it sounds like like 2009 is fairly recent here. So it sounds like you guys are are really headed places because to go from 2009 starting up to um, you guys have a a couple of uh, a factory uh, like manufacturers that even carry your products on their rifles. Like Remington's got their tactical chassis that that comes with MDT's product on it, right? Yeah, that is correct. Um, So Remington was the first OEM to start uh, building a a rifle using our chassis. Um, After that, uh, about a year ago, uh, Mossberg released a rifle called the Mossberg MVP-LC, LC LC standing for light chassis, and that is the... um, um, yeah, sorry, about a year ago, they have done um, quite a few of those since then, and it continues to be a very good program. And then just uh, about a month ago, 
uh, Weatherby started uh, has released a, uh, a rifle. It's the uh, Weatherby Vanguard um, on the LSS XL, and that uh, is probably you know, or for sure you'll see that at Shot Show, of course, in January. Um, but um, when they uh, released that to some of the customers, they you know right off the bat they got a number of orders for them. So we've already shipped them a, a full production run, and uh, and they have yet to really officially. That's wild. Already available on their website. So a, a, a small company in Canada starts just says, hey, these the chassis systems on the market. We can build them better, cheaper, faster. Starts up in 2009, and you guys are already working with like those kinds of manufacturers out there. That's that's wild. Yes, yeah, thank you. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun, and uh, and uh, you know, we are very, very uh, quality focused and uh, customer service focused. You know, if, uh, if you talk to really any of our customers, you'll hear they get same day response from us if they have an issue. You know, which happens from time to time. They get right away to get um, uh, an answer from us, or we solve it for them. You know, we're very, very set on on quality and customer service. You know, we may not always make everybody happy with the price, um, even though we do have a lower cost chassis system compared to a lot out there. You know, if you want to compare it to a stock, it's not cheap. Our cheapest uh, or lowest cost chassis is, is still $400 where you can, you know, buy a, a stock for $50 or more, even though there's also stocks you can buy for $500 or $1,000. Uh, but so we, we, but we're really customer service and quality focused, but that's always our number one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Trevor mentioned that he's got Attack uh, 21. I've got uh, a Savage in the HS3 chassis, and I've I went for the skeleton buttstock on that as well, just because kind of look cooler than the uh, uh, than the Magpul PRS. Um, what do you which um, which inlets or which actions do you find that uh, are are doing really well right now? Uh, Remington is always number one when it comes to volume for us. Uh, but, you know, we released uh, chassis for Savage after that. Savage continues to be popular. Um, but uh, we, we listen a lot to what customers are asking us for. Hey, can you make one for this? Can you make one for that? And, and a lot of, a lot of some people, I think, that contact us think that we make uh, two or three at a time. Um, and they ask if we can make a custom one for them, but we can't. Like we, we have to make, you know, dozens or hundreds in order to, for it to be cost effective. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense making it. But, uh, a really, uh, other really popular rifle that is starting to, we see more and more and more demand for the Tika T3. Uh, not so much in the United States, but in Canada, it's getting more and more popular in the U.S. a little bit as well. And of course, we sell quite a few of those to Europe. Um, but then, uh, other than that, um, you know, Hawas, you know, are relatively popular, uh, because people are able to buy just barreled actions for those. They like to, you know, it saves them from having to buy a rifle and throw the stock away. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, Tika T3 is actually a very good, uh, rifle right out of the box. Whereas with, with a Remington, you'll see a lot of people will have to, uh, Get a blueprint at first, and you know, get better accuracy. And TKT three is really good right out of the box. Yeah, exactly. That's why I know, um, at least for hunters here in Canada, the TKT three is is put out there as one of those like really rugged, really accurate out of the box rifles that uh, is popular for people in the, you know, the the six hundred dollars to a thousand dollar range. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, where does where does MDT go from here? Like, what do you what are you guys um, looking at in the future that wouldn't give away too much uh, to your competitors who might be listening? Yeah, no, no problem at all. We do, we do continue releasing chassis for different uh, platforms. Um, we're currently working on uh, some on a Steyr SSG 69. It's not really popular here, but it's very popular in Europe. 
Um, we are adding a number of the Ruger uh, chassis for Ruger, Ruger American and Ruger uh, Scout. Um, so, and then there will be a few more that we'll add here and there. Not as, as rapid a pace as we have in the past. We're really picking which ones uh, we want to release a chassis for. And then after that, we do plan on also releasing a number of our chassis for rimfire. And not so much that we, that the rimfire market is, uh, is, well, the, the rimfire market will be, uh, accepting it, I think. But there's a lot of people that want to practice with a 22 and then switch over to their 308 or, or, or even larger caliber and have the same ergonomics on their rifle because they want to have the trigger time on the on the 22 so they can sit at the range all day and not spend $1,000 on ammo. Uh, and, uh, and then for the competition, switch over to... Would you guys be thinking of a, a bolt-action 22, like a, an Anschutz or Savage, mm-hmm. or, or would you guys be looking at like a, a 1022 as, as more of like a trainer? No, it'd be all the bolt action. Um, oh. we, we will be doing the, uh, there's a Ruger American in bolt action. We'll be doing that. Uh, we'll be doing a, uh, the Anschutz, exactly right. Uh, Savage MK2. And then there's probably another. I don't suppose you'd do one for the Norinco NS522, would you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, probably not. You know, we really, <laughs> we actually had that question a number of times, but we really, need to uh, get to a certain volume for it to be cost effective. That being said, you know, sometimes we, we, we get it wrong on saying no to doing a, a certain platform. Uh, but we always tell people, look, you know, if, if, if where you are, if there's that many people that have it, because that's what they say, you know, you'll sell so many. You know, get, get a group of 20, 30 people together. Might sound like a lot, but, but it, it's being done. And, um, and we'll make them. It will, we won't make any money off of it, but at least, you know, we try to break even. And then we have that uh, platform for, for a future production run because a second production run becomes a lot uh, lower cost to do, of course. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you, you'd mentioned uh, getting into the, the rimfire market. Are there any other uh, uh, things on the horizon? Uh, I don't think so. We, well, there will be a lot of things on the horizon, um, but we, we, at this point, we do plan to be very much precision shooting or, uh, and bolt action rifle focused. Um, you know, we will get to a point most likely where we're starting to run out of things to make. Uh, but there's still a number of things to, to go as well, such as, uh, you know, we, we don't do anything when it comes to bipods or rings or anything like that. And I'm not saying that we will, uh, but there is a bunch of uh, areas that are untouched. We really want to be just really good at what we do and not necessarily hit all those markets, um, and, and, and grow at what we're good at. Um, you know, sometimes we have we have talked about doing accessories for ARs and those kinds of things, but there are so many companies that do that already, and we don't really we're not really interested in releasing something that is just you know that somebody else has already. We want to be unique and uh, and have something that that people um, talk about that people say, oh man, this is awesome. Uh, rather than uh, just being one of many of that make all the same. Yeah. Well, I mean. Um... Also, no one makes a, a precision aluminum chassis for the SKS, so I suppose that's always a market. <laughs> I, would, I, I wouldn't say no. But, uh, yes, no, say no. Yes, say, say, yeah, say no. no. Say no. Yeah. No, just say no. no. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to edit that out. It's okay. Don't yeah, worry. it's gone. It's okay. <laughs> That was just to see if Matthew and I were still listening. Yeah, we're still here. He, he almost had me with the rimfire talk. I'm like, no, he's got this covered. He's doing great. Except, you know, no, none, only bolt actions, huh? I, I guess that makes sense. I mean, this is precision shooting. 22 semi-autos aren't exactly the most accurate thing in the world. No, they're not. 
um, bolt action. That that's just it for now. And you know, we have uh, our designers basically are booked full for the next year on things to work on. Um, so 2017, maybe plans will change a little bit going into different markets. But right. it's, it's, uh, there's just so much to do for us still on new products. And, and not only new products, but we are always continually making our current products better as well. Um, you know, we in 2015, we have gone very fast on growing and releasing new products. And we're at a, at a point right now where we have to say, okay, let's make sure that we have all our processes proper. Uh, we actually just last week moved into a uh, into a building four times the size of our previous uh, because we we were just running out of space. So uh, the growing pains are here, and we're very focused on making sure that we have proper processes, uh, that all our tolerances for everything that we make makes sense, that we don't have you know issue uh, uh, interference of different products coming together because. You know, uh, the, you know, MDT, modular driven technology is the modular part. Um, you know, we do kind of focus on that as well, uh, allowing our products to work with other manufacturers' products. And that is a challenge in itself. Uh, we didn't want to just have accessories that are us only. So you say, well, you have to buy my uh, butt stock in order for this to fit. Uh, you know, just like when you buy a laptop, there's only one cord that you can get and it's $300. Um, we didn't want to be like that. We want to make sure that our products work with other manufacturers such as Magpul and a whole bunch of other AR-15 component manufacturers. But they have different tolerances, so we do run from time to time run into, well, actually, that manufacturer is oversized and this one is undersized. But at the end of the day, our customer doesn't care. He just wants it to fit and they got it for us, and, and he doesn't know that, you know, a Magpul product or somebody else's product was out of tolerance. He just, you know, bought our chassis and it's supposed to fit because he paid, you know, four, five, six hundred dollars for it. Um, so that's there's a lot of work to be done there as well, tightening up tolerances and and making sure that that the customer always gets a new product from us. Excellent. Um, so um, just uh, just kind of uh, getting closer to the end here. Uh, where do people get? Uh, where do people find and buy uh, MDT products? Uh, yes, um, we have done a lot of e-commerce sales over the past uh, years. We are slowly. I'm, I, I can't say at this point that we're going to go away from that. But we are focusing out very hard on uh, working with our dealers. So there is a there is there's a lot of dealers. We we have I would say probably over a thousand dealer accounts uh, worldwide, um, and we are starting to focus more and more on supporting those dealers rather than you know us trying to sell retail on our website. We just want to focus on making a good product. Um, so you know uh, any anybody that's looking to buy our products definitely check out their local dealer. Um, if there's no dealer in the area, sure, they can buy from our website, but there's also an opportunity if they have a dealer close by that uh, will be a prime uh, dealer for our products that they go there and say, hey, you know, if you thought about uh, selling MDT products, and because uh, we're signing up new dealers almost on a daily basis, and we're really happy to grow on that. Awesome. And people can, uh, can they find the, the dealers on your website as well? Yes, there's a list on our website. At the top of our, west, of our website, there is a dealer program or a dealer locator, or I believe it's called store locator. Uh, mm-hmm. If somebody clicks on that, they can put in their postal code or their zip code and search everything in a certain area of where they live or if there's any dealers close by. Uh, we do have two different types of dealers. We, we, we separate them out by stocking dealers and non-stocking dealers. So it's only stocking dealers that are listed there because there's also a number of smaller dealers and gunsmiths that just only buy one at a time or two at a time to you know when a customer asks for it 
So we specifically only list those dealers that carry inventory of our products. Awesome. And uh, what's the website? Uh, our website is mdttac.com or .ca. I think, yeah, I'm on your website right now. I think it's uh, .ca. Okay. Yeah, it will, awesome. if you're, that's right. If, if you're in Canada, it will autom- even if you go to the .com, it will automatically forward to the .ca. Ah. Somebody in the U.S. they'll see the .com. Awesome. .ca would just mess them up. a little bit of different shipping information, and then like they want somebody's in the U.S. because we we don't ship direct into the U.S. We actually have a uh, a warehouse set up in Washington State, so all our U.S. shipments are all first cross dock in uh, in Washington State. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, uh, thanks for coming on the show, Martin. You're very welcome. It was a pleasure. What? P.S. Trevor, you suck. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Screw this guy. <laughs> Delete his so, email from the whole show. So, so as you can tell, we're into listener feedback, folks. And, uh, and this first one comes to us from Eric, and Trevor wants to read it. So go ahead, Trevor. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> Hi, guys. My name is Eric. <laughs> I've been listening since way nah. back in TRR days. Yeah, do it right. Oh, oh man. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Hi, guys. My name is Eric. And uh, <laughs> apparently, Eric Trevor doesn't like you anymore because he read your PS. <laughs> yeah, so screw you, Eric. No, I'm just kidding. All right, says, Hey guys, I've been listening since way back in the CRR days. I have a question about displaying an old Stevens 311 side by side, or side by each over the fireplace. Use Velcro. Definitely Velcro. Yeah. Next email. <laughs> I know you guys aren't lawyers and blah, 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 blah. And you won't. Uh, and you won't back me in court, but uh, I'm asking anyways. If I remove the firing pins and weld the holes shut, would I still need a trigger lock, or is it just mantle art and no longer a firearm? Anyways, thanks for the great show. Keep me it it keeps me awake on those long nights on the road. Thanks, Eric. P.S. Trevor, you suck. I figured oh. where you were reading that, you would have said, P.S. Trevor, you're awesome. <laughs> See, that's what you yeah. should have done. You should have edited it. What you have to do, Eric, and this is a, a serious answer, uh, you have to take it to a verifier and have them verifier, verify it that it is uh, a cha- its status will change to a deactivated firearm. And once it is verified to be deactivated, then it can be displayed without trigger locks. That's correct. Yeah, if you do it yourself, it's still a firearm. Yeah. I mean, even you can do it yourself and then get it verified, and then that's cool. But if you don't get it verified, and you'll get a little letter stating that this firearm with a serial number is no longer a firearm, you need that. And if you don't have that, then yes, you still need the trigger lock, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's the deal on that. This next one comes to us from Bolivar, and he writes, Fellas, I was listening with interest to the email uh, from that left-handed aphobic fella, I could go back and get his name, but this lefty ain't got time for that. That blowed up his M&P. <laughs> I was having trouble following his story. He started talking about an M&P 9, but then mentioned angels sprinkling magic dust or such, some such on the best striker-fired pistol on the market, and I was at a loss. We all know the best striker-fired pistol on the market is the Glock 17. Not sure when he switched <laughs> guns in this. What is that not what he wrote? That's oh, not what he wrote. Oh, he wrote, he wrote that it's the HK VP9. The HK VP9. There, there it is. 
he, he actually wrote SIG P320, but whatever. Um, he continues on, not sure when he switched guns in the story, but whatever. Seriously, buddy, sorry to hear that you blowed up your gun, and I'm glad that you weren't badly hurt. Cool to hear that you are making lemonade from your lemons and replacing the wrecked car, uh, parts with cool boutique stuff. Shoot straight, shoot str- shoot something, shoot wh- whatever he normally says at the end of his show there. Uh, cheers, the conquistador from Modern Rifleman Radio. Eh? So, uh, yeah, it's it shoot safe, shoot straight, and shoot often. I just kind of stumbled over myself. but So, basically, he just wanted to write in to let you know that your MMP9 apparently is not the best striker-fired pistol in the market. We all concur that it's the Glock 17. Brian thinks it's the SIG P320. We don't, actually. Tre- Tre- Trevor thinks it's the H&K something actually, or other. Right now, it's the FN. The, the FN. Ad- Adriel, what's I, your I favorite? I don't think at all. You, you don't have a favorite striker-fired pistol? Well, I have an MP, but okay, I so haven't really shot enough other ones to know. So the, I don't think you you just don't think. Period. No, no. Period. Look, the thing is, the opinion on what the best striker fired pistol on the market is is there's one for every person who's out there, and uh, they're all pretty good. <laughs> Brian, stop making fun of the listeners. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, make fun of your own listeners, man. Yeah, you don't need to come onto our show and make fun of our listeners. We, we can all... do that ourselves just fine. Right. We all know that. The SIG P320 could be if it was not for the excessive amount of flip porosity. Oh, and the high bore axis and just, just oh, oh yeah, right. it's terrible. They they really you know, dropped the ball on that. Well, yeah, they took the they took the P250, which I don't fully understand either. A double action only uh, hammer fired polymer gun. It's for and people who who like lawyers. I guess yeah. I mean, it would it would it would be a good cop gun. Yeah. Right. It's well, it really wouldn't be. Carry. It would be a good socially acceptable cop gun. We all know that an actual good cop gun is one that's easy to shoot accurately. Yeah. 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 And they gave them Glocks and then screwed up the triggers. So you yeah. Can't. Uh, so anyway. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't even know. I don't know either. So let's move on. So thank you, Brian, for your email. Um, Adriel, this next one from Mike, please. Hello, Slamfire Radio. I have not been listening for that long, but I thought I would address, would address that since you changed the website around, that's my fault, and messed with the RSS feed, there are a few broken links on the also site. Also your fault. Yes, also yes. also yep. Adriel's fault. All my fault. Yep. Uh, you keep saying to check the other podcasts at www.crusaderpodcast.com. <laughs> that URL is now dead. I could buy it for twelve ninety nine. Yeah, and this is the very first indication of this that we received. Yeah. We didn't hear from Joe... Um, Chetwood, the guy who created the podcast network, um, I had to send him an email or a Facebook message asking him, and he said, "Oh yeah, it's down." So, you know. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. So, so no longer do you need to check out the other podcast on the Crusader Podcast Network. Did he buy it? Yeah, but th- thanks for letting us know, Mike, and thanks to Joe for you know flipping the bill for that uh, for that website for all these years and yeah, yeah giving us a, giving us and other great shows a home but uh, it is unfortunately no more we're homeless yeah, and, we're, we're uh, back to uh, we're, we're, new we're, t- we're new in town <laughs> and right and it gets worse <laughs> <laughs> you started with that yeah 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 tom will get that as well as a few select people who are at the tom course whenever uh, we do Quite possibly the worst inside joke ever. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mike continues. And as for ammo, I have heard on the podcast that Trevor has a Savage 99 in 300 Savage. Ammo is getting hard to find, but I am sitting on around 400 rounds. Not all in great shape, as it was sitting in a barn before I got a hold of it. 400 rounds, that's a a lot of 300 Savage. 
Uh, I am not sure what the value is, but I'm sure we could work something out if you're interested. $20. I was just going to say, basically, if if you pay the shipping to send it to Trevor, he'll accept it. I'll like accept he'll, it. he'll take the ammo off your hands. Truth is, Mike, I do want it. And um, package it up for fun. Take it to the post office and don't tell them what's in it and find out how much it costs <laughs> to ship it. <laughs> and, no, get a, get a shipping quote and let me know. And, um, I mean, obviously, I'll cover the cost of the shipping. And then I'll buy the ammo if if the price is uh, if the price is right as you said it's burn ammo. But worst case, I'll probably be able to salvage 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 uh, most of the brass if not all the brass. Yeah, definitely. Cool. All right, Trevor. This next one is from the Ohio Gobbler. He is need some advice. Going on my first turkey hunting trip next year, 2016. Going to buy my first shotgun with turkey as the primary purpose for the shotgun. I listened to your podcast on the Mossberg 500 series shotgun. After handling a number of shotguns, I really like this series, and I'm thinking of buying a Mossberg 500 Thug and Lug combo with an LPA trigger. It's Thug, thug and Slug. Oh, Slug. What did I say? Lug. lug. Thug and Lug. It's, it's like you, you, you got to lug it around everywhere, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> thug and Slug. All right. Uh, LPA trigger. This has two 24-inch barrels. One with the double X full turkey choke and a 24 inch fluted fully rifled barrel. When I see deer, uh, when I start deer hunting next year, I would also like some emergency home defense options as well. I've handled the 24 inch barrel and I think this could work. Um, would put an improved cylinder choke in it until I buy a dedicated home defense shotgun. I don't plan on shooting three and a half inch shells. And we'll also use this turkey gun on our farm for raccoons, squirrels, woodchuck, rota control, partridge, grouse. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to put thousands of rounds through this gun, but wanted to know if you think I should go with this Mossberg combo. Yes. I've handled the shot, uh, I've handled and shot the Remington 870, Browning, BPS, Benelli Nova, and Supernova. I thought the Mossberg fit me well. I like the action for the end release position and loading ergonomics, as well as the weight. I just want a reliable shotgun that works, and I won't worry about putting wear and tear on it. My friends look down on the Mossberg and are encouraging me to get the Benelli or Browning, but I don't see the value. I also don't see the value. Eventually, I will get another shotgun for a specific purpose, over and under, upland bird, etc. Also, love the show and appreciate your efforts on the show. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Hope Owen comes back. Ohio Gobbler. Guys, I got, I think you should just go for it. It's two barrels and a 24 inch. 24 inches is, is a nice short compact barrel, actually. Uh, that would work can, very oh. well for, for home defense situations as Absolutely. well as turkey hunting as well as deer hunting. Um, and in fact, I have a 20 inch barrel on my Mossberg 500. Um, and it's very similar to the, the turkey choke or the turkey barrel that you have. It has threaded choke, so you can just change the choke out. And I use that for everything. Whether it's uh, three gun shooting skeets, uh, I use it for bird hunting. I use it, it shoot slugs out of it every now and then just for fun. I use it for everything, and uh, the the five hundred just keeps on going. The only thing I've had go wrong with mine is the the latest batch or the the, the most current batch of the Mossberg five hundred has a uh, a plastic well it's polymer the forend the pump. And the old style, it was a metal tube with a fore end attached to it. Well, now Excuse it's me, Matt. yeah. 
I thought that depended on where they were made. It wasn't an old versus a new. That yeah, I, the- I, I thought that too, but mine was made in the U.S., and uh-huh. it also had that problem. Really? Yeah. So it's so just a cost-saving measure. It's a cost-saving measure. So what it is basically is the, the pump arms themselves are just molded into plastic as opposed to molded onto a, a metal tube. It, and onto that metal tube is the actual pump, the, the actual forend. So it's a cost-cutting thing. You probably won't ever break it. It took me years to break mine. And when I finally did, I just went on eBay, bought the metal one, bought a new front end, a, a new forend, put it on, and now it'll never break again. So it's a very easy fix, and it's not something you really have to worry about for quite a few years. It'll work just fine for a while. Um, but other than that, that's the only complaint I've got on the gun. It's lightweight. The loading is fantastic. There's no there's no trap door on the bottom to load your shells. You don't get your thumb caught on it. You can just shove the shells right in the tube. Um, easy to clean, easy to use. I, I don't know. I really like it. I think you should get it. And and maybe a third barrel instead of another shotgun. If you want to have a shorter barrel around the house, you can get a shorter Mossberg barrel, either a factory one or an aftermarket yep. one. You can get 18-inch barrels for it that are cylinder bore, no problem. And, and in fact, you can get a fourth barrel, a nice 20, uh, 28 or 30-inch barrel for upland bird or goose and duck hunting, too. I mean, one gun with a bunch of different barrels will be very versatile. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, no, I you're, I know Mossberg is, quote-unquote, cheap, and a lot of people look down on them, but I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't let that get you down. Uh, I Moss- buy an, I'd buy a new Mossberg over a new 870 or an 887 any day. Any day. When's yeah. the last time you heard about a recall on a Mossberg shotgun? I have not. When's the last time you heard about a recall on a Remington shotgun? <laughs> Last year, you know? <laughs> yeah. What did Savage say to, to Remington? I, I don't, don't know. Recall. <laughs> I don't recall. Uh, yeah. Very funny. All right. All right. This next one comes to us from Richard. He says, loved the archery section last show. Oh, wait. We're deleting this one. I forgot. <laughs> there should be a regular section on Slamfire called topics only two out of three hosts want to talk about. <laughs> Atrio being on the show now is really great. I've read his blog for a long time and love his occasional posts to Reddit on the Canadian Gun subreddit. I still want him to throw that Mini 14 uh, he reviewed into a snowbank this winter and see how it cycles at minus 30. I'm glad to hear some of the great interviews you guys have done recently. I'm really curious if you have ever reached out to the CSSA to talk to Tony on the show. We and have. Yes, we have talked to Tony in the past. Yeah, yeah. And not only have we talked to him, we've reached out to him. He's not easy to nail down. Yeah, he, he's a busy guy. But uh, yeah, we we try to talk to as many people as we can. So thank you for another good suggestion, um, someone to talk to. And uh, for you, Adriel, go throw your mini fourteen in the snowbank. <laughs> I can't. I sold it. <laughs> oh well, there you go. Sorry, Richard. I'll throw, I'll throw something else in the snowbank. Adriel, once again, letting you down. Throw that SKS in the snowbank and leave it there. <laughs> so he the, th- the thing is, though, it, it'll still work, Trevor. <laughs> he sends me a picture on Facebook. He goes, well, "Check out this like vintage sling I bought. It cost yeah. me one ninety nine. I'm like, "What? That's oh, an look, it came with a free SKS." Like, oh. <laughs> I almost unfriended him. It was funny. I, he included me on that too. I really liked yeah, that. It was funny if you weren't me. Uh, it's all right, Trevor. I may have called them names. Sorry, you, you may know. have. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta drop this uh, this whole elitism when it comes to guns trevor no, all guns are good you really no you really do man no man love them all <laughs> love some more than others oh right that that's my but model. but see the thing is you you don't love the sks at all in fact you hate it mm. Mm, yeah yeah, mm, yeah. <laughs> yes. and you don't where care it, where does it say i gotta love all guns it's in your contract did you not read that i can't read I, oh, you just right. not hear me gotcha 
All right. Well, this <laughs> this next one comes to us from Matt, and he writes, Good day, gentlemen. Thanks for taking the time to read my email, and especially taking the time to do the podcast every week. I'm an oil field worker, so having the time to listen every week was somewhat of a chore up until recently. Insert the oil price joke here. <laughs> That's what you get for voting for an NDP government. He, uh, to be fair, Matt probably didn't. I would, I would be willing to bet that he did not vote. Yeah. NDP. Uh, I have been slowly catching up on the show uh, while sitting in the woods waiting for a giant buck to show up. At least the show hasn't let me down. <laughs> I'm very happy with Keep the listening. new. <laughs> I'm very happy with the new addition to the show. It's nice to hear out west and here in Alberta every once in a while. I've watched a few of Adriel's YouTube jan- uh, videos and plan on reaching out to him in the spring and offering up my guns and gear to help with a number of video reviews he has. Oh, that's Woo-hoo. very nice of you. Yeah. Okay. Enough rambling and butt kissing. I do have a question to do with guns. I have a few rifles I want to glass bed, and I'm wondering if any of you have ever done that and have any sub- uh, suggestions. I've watched a few YouTube videos on the matter, but I cannot seem to find the berries when it comes time to get into it. I would also like to give a shout out to all the fish and game, wildlife officers, conservation officers, or whatever else you call them. When you put these men and women up against the RCMP or any other police and compare the level of education required to do the job and the rate of pay they receive for that job and the inherent dangers of that job, I do not believe they get enough credit. So thank you to all of them. That also, is very true. Yeah. I actually had a, a former archer that I used to coach who, well, I didn't really coach him, but I worked with him. Anyway, he went to become... Uh, DNR and then went down the enforcement route and I asked him one day to list on a website that we're all members of the requirements that he needed to meet to get into his program because one of my students was interested. I gave up reading it. It was just, <laughs> my yeah. God. It went on and on. So yeah, they, they really, yeah. yeah, there's more to it than people think for yeah. sure. Yeah, Bruce. Uh, he continues on. Also, two big thumbs up. Okay, do we have to differentiate that they're big thumbs up? Or, or can we just Add it to our thumbs up pile. They're just enthusiastic thumbs. But Enthusi- they don't actually, okay. It doesn't give us like two and a half. Or okay, so we can just toss it into the thumbs up pile. Then yeah. we don't have to actually like 54 thumbs up and two no. big thumbs up from Matt. So, okay, so so add, add two more to the list. I, I, I didn't yet, so if, if somebody else wants to do that, it'd be cool. Um, P.S. Some people... Now, Matt, here's the thing. You signed your name after the P.S. The whole idea of the P.S. is it's... You put it after you sign your name. But that's okay. Nitpicking here, I guess. Um, some people, including me, hates anything to do with Apple. I know you like getting your iTunes reviews, but can you set up your Facebook page to have reviews on the page? Do that, and I will give you a review there. Until then, keep the powder burning, lead flying, and support the CCFR. I don't and that's know. From yeah, Matt. absolutely. I like that yeah. last part. I don't mm. know if we can switch our page over to that feature. That's a feature of a business page, that's for sure. And since we created our page under one particular format, I don't know if we can add that, but we'll look into it because it's kind of cool to yeah. have people leave reviews on our page. As And then on to his question about glass yeah. bedding. I'm certainly out. I, I have glass bedded a firearm. Um, it was a shotgun. Okay, yeah, that doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't really count at all. I did it because the forend didn't fit properly, so I fiberglassed in some extra material so I, it would fit properly. <laughs> I don't think you understand what most of these words mean. I d- <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've done about four rifles. Um, there you go. There's a kit you can get from Cabela's or Wholesale Sports or whatever. That's a, a bedrock glass bedding kit. Um, some guys will just use um, like their own. I think it's Marine Tex uh, epoxy to do it. But uh, if you're just getting into it and you're, you're kind of scared, get that kit. Um, 
if it doesn't come with uh, modeling clay, just pick up some mo some like extra modeling clay from like Michaels or whatever craft store you can find, um, and do 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 like a, a really good job of prepping your surfaces and uh, your epoxy dams and all that kind of stuff. You want to make sure that the epoxy is going to stay where it needs to stay, and that you use a lot of it so that you get that nice skim uh, bed as you uh, as you bed your rifle. Um, I'm trying to think of it. There, there's a lot of videos on YouTube. I haven't done one myself because it, I haven't bedded a, a rifle in a while now. But uh, a lot of those um, older rifles, uh, especially the ones that are that are wood stock, really benefit from a glass bedding because the action can wiggle or move a little bit, um, shot from shot, uh, and that'll that'll cause some inconsistency. So you do you do want to bed your rifle um, if you've got one of those wood stocks, even if you've got a, a polymer stock, because those twist and flex and bend and all that kind of stuff as well. The advantage to going with an aluminum chassis, like we're, we're talking with MDT today, is that those don't flex, um, so you don't necessarily need to bed those like you would a, a polymer stock uh, rifle. But once you do bed them, like I, I've found that uh, um, with at least two of those, two of those rifles, they, they really, really benefited from, uh, from that bedding. And, uh, and that's something that, yeah, uh, definitely get into it. Um, try to do it in two steps. Try to do your, um, depending on what kind of rifle you have, usually there's that, that middle part that's kind of thin anyways, so um, it might be of benefit to do them in two steps. Or if you've got a real garbagey old rifle, do that one first, mess up on it, and then, uh, and then you know, do, do it better the second time around on your, uh, on your hunting rifle that you really want to, or your target rifle or, or whatever the case might be. Very good. Okay, well, don't stop there. Why don't you read us this last email from Luke? From Luke. Hey, guys. First, let me compliment you on your choice of Adriel. What is with all the love for it? Like, you guys didn't recognize that these are all my emails that I sent into the show? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Uh, let me compliment you on your choice of Adriel as the new guy. Like I said to Trevor, I really like the chemistry between the three of you when Adriel was on earlier episodes. The conversation flowed well. Hopefully Owen comes back full-time and we'll be able to enjoy a four-host podcast. The reason I'm writing is in regards to the FMA practical shell holders that Agel spoke of in a few episodes. I thought you might be interested to know that those specific holders are direct rip-offs of those manufactured in the U.S. by a company called Invictus Practical. News to me. Uh, the real ones are fairly popular with some pro shooters and appear to have a good reputation. So, Trevor, if you don't want to waste your money on the Airsoft version, now you know who makes the real deal. And, I mean, I, I, I'll bet that those ones don't need to be dremeled to heck just to assemble them. Yep. Cool. Where'd you go? Uh, I don't know. We're still here. Where'd Adriel go? I'm here. Oh, okay. okay. Carry on. <laughs> so that's it? That, that, was, that was the last of that email. Yeah. All right. No. Yes, yeah. it is. How come, you, how come you didn't put the whole thing in? Because it was long, and he said right in it, this is probably too long to read on the show. So I left it out. <laughs> well, uh, let's at least mention the the part that was too long. I, thought, I was wondering why there was an odd silence and why he wasn't continuing on. Uh, Maybe if you were paying attention to the show notes, you'd know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, anyway. That's not going to happen, right? And generally, <laughs> because I'm texting Luke, this is ironic. Um, yeah, well, Luke included a part from this company's Facebook page describing how their product was ripped off. So, yeah. And you buy this stuff, you're supporting ripoff artists in China, Adriel. I'm just saying that makes Aww. you call me. Yeah, but see, he didn't me. he didn't know that until just now. So well, doesn't change. Do these the have uh, dealers in Canada? The only I reason why I got, why I got those shell holders was that 
like in terms of what I can buy here in Canada, I can get the um, AP Customs when they're in stock, and yeah. that's it. Everything else I'm getting from the states. Yeah. No, I mean, and I'm just breaking, you know, giving you a hard time. Uh, a lot of people end up buying knockoff merchandise without ever knowing that they bought knockoff merchandise, right? Well, I knew yep. it was it was crappy airsoft stuff, but uh, but not necessarily a, a straight. Yeah, you knew you were buying an airsoft quality or an airsoft grade product, but you didn't necessarily know that you were buying a directly you know stolen product. Well, not stolen, yeah. you know what I mean, cloned. Yeah, Poor, poorly without cloned. licensing fees paid. <laughs> so yeah. anyway. All right. Well, uh, thank you to everyone who has sent an email this week. Um, if you would like to s- email the show, you can send it to slamfireradio at gmail.com. And do we have any iTunes reviews? Anybody check? I didn't check. Stacy? Usually check? I check. Stacy, did you check if we have any iTunes reviews? Stacy didn't check. She didn't. I don't right. imagine why she wouldn't want to check for us. My God, why? It's, like, it's not like we made fun of her last time. Well, I mean, what's with the discrimination? She works for everybody else, but we get the chef. Yeah, I guess. Gosh. All right. Well, you know, you can leave iTunes reviews if you want, and I'm sure you guys can figure out how to do that. It's uh, it's fun when you do. Uh, Shout-outs. Uh, i got a couple to uh, Hillbilly for the new headset. So, listeners, if I uh, sound more sultry than usual tonight, it's because that listener, he is a man of his word. He followed through and put a brand spanking new. This wasn't something he had laying in a drawer. He actually purchased a brand-new headset for me. So, hopefully... It is doing my audio some good, and I sound a little better. So thank you very much, Hillbilly. I really appreciate that. And uh, next shout-out is to Bolivar. Just, I'm not sure if you two gentlemen are aware or not, but uh, Bolivar's father passed, and so he's been on the road going to Nova Scotia and whatnot, taking care of family business. So, buddy, we just want you to know that uh, we love you and we're thinking about you. Yep, so now I, may, now I feel bad for all the grief I gave you earlier in the show. Don't. And and I'm over it. There okay. You <laughs> he would expect nothing less. I would expect nothing less from his expectations. He would also expect nothing more. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Adriel, do you have any shoutouts? Well, I'm 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 actually in iTunes right now. So and and there's three reviews in here on wow. the Canadian feed. Can I well, read them out? Yes, please Kinda do. Got a breaking protocol here, but uh, we got one from uh, Wiggy. I really dig this podcast. Five stars. Great folks entertain us with down-to-earth firearm and archery stories and info. Don't miss it. Thanks, boys. So that must be pretty recent because it's yeah, talking about archery. archery. Uh, next one from Siphon606. Great podcast. I've been enjoying SFR ever since the first episode and will continue to do so. Good info, good canter, and I'm partial to the topic. Were horses? It- canter? Good canter? Hmm. Yeah, good canter. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I think it's banter is the word mm. you're looking for. But canter is funny, too. Yep. He's calling us a bunch of horses or something. I don't know. I got nothing. Carry on. Uh, I guess it was about time to install iTunes so I could rate this. Now to uninstall this crap. Does it, well, before you uninstall, like, go edit that from canter to banter. and then. Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Don't worry about it. Reinstall it. Yeah, reinstall it. it. <laughs> don't don't bother. It's funnier this way. <laughs> and the next one uh, is from One Bad Wolf. Says, "Great show, entertaining and informative. Keep it up." And those are all on the Canadian feed. Awesome. Well, guys, that is fantastic. I know I made funny of that canter thing, but no, we love it. That that's that's fantastic that uh, you guys left those for us. We really like getting them. We really like reading them, and uh, and it does help get the show get noticed. So we thank you guys so much for for leaving those reviews. 
Um, so any, so so now now we can go back to regular protocol. Um, any other shout outs then? That was it. There's one more on the U.S. Uh, feed. Let's uh. just let's just break protocol one more time, <laughs> and and let's listen to this American Fed one now. <laughs> Great podcast by Ohio Gobbler. I've been listening for about a year and have listened to other firearms-related podcasts, but I keep coming back to Slamfire week after week because this is both an informative and entertaining show. I like how the show delves into diverse topics about rimfire, rifles, handguns, competition, self-defense, gun laws, and now with the new French guy, hunting. <laughs> <laughs> well, your last name's French. French name. Oh, Adriel. Oh, Adriel. No. Don't Actually, you do speak French, don't you? Uh, I can read it. I speak Chinese. Oh, I'm the yeah, the, 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 the French person ever. The new French Canadian <laughs> host is a, is he speaks Chinese? Yeah. Well, of course he does. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, right? Uh, well, isn't your wife from China? Yeah. Or, yeah. Or some, okay, yeah. I was gonna say, or some Chinese-speaking country. Yeah. Yeah. I so that totally makes sense. Um, more talk on shotgunning would be cool. As an American, the Canadian take on this topic is interesting. How to pursue this hobby and interest in a restricted country. Also, love the accents and demonstration of the Canadian inferiority complex. <laughs> My only criti- criticism is that Ferlate's report on what he did with guns each week is really long. How does he have time to do this much? Not a true criticism, just jealous. Appreciate that you put this much effort into producing a great show, one of the best overall sh- shows that I have heard. What a great review. And and he got all his wishes this week. Trevor's Trevor's <laughs> section was short, and we talked shotguns for a while. Yeah. So fantastic. Okay, we aim to please. Breaking protocol now. I was going to say, although to be fair, he's the one that asked the shotgun question. So that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, uh, I don't. What's that? It was manifest destiny. It certainly was. I don't know what that means. No. Nah. It, no, it's not. No, we're going to carry on. Okay. So, so <laughs> um, I don't have any other shout-outs, and if, if Adriel is going to return to protocol here, uh, does he have any other shout-outs? No, I'm good. Okay, cool. So um, don't bother checking out the Crusader Podcast Network. Because it's gone. Because it's it gone. <laughs> gone. But please be sure to join any or all of our national firearms associations. They support us, so it's important for us to support them. And there's a slew of them out there. Choose wisely, or I heard choose there's a new one that started. Or choose them all. Yeah, the CCFR. No, no, another one. Oh, we another got, one. Yeah, we just got tagged in a post by Jeff Young with some other one that started. Interesting. All right. Well, hey, the, the more we can band together, the better off we'll be. But we're not banding together. Well, we need to band together. We're trying to divide and conquer. All right. Well, wait. Isn't that a good thing to do too, though? I don't know anymore. If it's if we divide them and conquer, we win. Uh, yes. Yeah, but he, here's the thing. We need to band together and divide and conquer. There's not 16 coalition for gun control groups. That's right. There's, right? Just there's one. only one. Yeah. And uh, that's the one voice that the government listen, listens to. Yeah. Well, which one voice does the government listen to on our side? Well, maybe if they're all good, they'll listen to all of us, and then there'll be 16 of us, we, 16 voices. Got, ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, well. You know, but the United States has shown that having more than one can can be effective. I mean, it wasn't the NRA that got the right to carry. It was the Second Amendment Foundation. That's right. So the yeah. NRA does one thing, and the Second Amendment Foundation does another. Need a different tactic. Yeah. Yep. Right. Squirrel. Squirrel. All right. Uh, so please check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. So that's a, a Canadian gun forum. 
And uh, we have our own little section there. So you want to check us out there, say hi to Chris and whatnot. Uh, Stop by, say hi. Stop by, say hi. That's cool. Uh, Also, please like us on Facebook if you are so able. Um, We are currently... uh, Is that number updated? No? All right, then. So so, so last week, we had 1,302 likes, and we're currently at... Was this number updated, the the, the thumbs up? I threw in the um, 4US thumbs a couple of days ago. Okay, did anybody throw in the two that we got tonight? Okay, so we're at... 53 and two-thirds thumbs-ups. No, no, don't forget that that four U.S. US thumbs at the bottom. I didn't know how to convert it, so I didn't add it to the count. Oh, oh. So I add four to 53, unless there's a conversion factor going on. Well, isn't it one and a half? All right. So that's six, right? So that's yep. 59 and two. Why is there a two-thirds? Um, maybe there was a... It was a U.S. conversion thing, maybe? Maybe yeah. maybe the conversion rate was different before. I'm just going to round that up to 60. Maybe an amputee sentence? I, I think from now on, a thumb is a thumb. Okay, what if it's a half a thumb? Like, well, that's, somebody had a terrible tab- table saw accident. Well, in that case, we'll take a half a thumb. All right. And after the table saw takes the first half. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Guns. That's the show. <laughs> so, like us on Facebook. Give maybe us he thumbs was up. A stock and at the time. Maybe. That's how he lost the thumb. That's yeah, irrelevant. Then it's gun related. Okay, yeah. There we go. <laughs> well, my grandfather lost a thumb on a on a table saw. That was a funny story. For another time, perhaps. Anyhow, um, thank you for listening. We're sorry the ending is terrible again. Go f*** yourself, San Diego. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.